last drift at alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. And a very warm welcome, warm being the understatement, to the Barstures Inquiry Sunday Sermon. And joining me and my usual two cohorts discussing the, the week's events and uh, racing politics, together with a review of this Saturday's racing, which included the Irish Oaks, the Super Sprint, and a Group 3 Sprint as well at Newbury, which I want to look back on, as well as the Anglesey Stakes as well at the Curra. Joining me then is John Lang and Chris. Good, Good evening, evening, chaps. Good evening. Okay, we'll get straight on with it. Plenty to talk about on this year, and um, but we're going to go straight away to reviewing uh, what's taking place this week. Uh, John, I don't know if you saw it, but on Thursday was a very interesting race that the Frogs put on, and uh, at the Grand Prix de Paris mile and a half race. The I, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? I, I took really serious note of it actually, like, because there okay. was a there was a farm line uh, with one of my old muckers, Sir Bob Parker. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, and Esther. Yeah. And what was interesting going into the race, no one seemed to know how to price the race up. I think we had about four different favourites from the night before right up until the off. There was literally swapping favourites. I think at one point Eldar, Elderoff was favourite, ended up favourite. Then Lastronome, the Sumion uh, ridden horse, that went into favourite in the morning. Pisbadil was the original favourite, I think. Um, and then uh, an Esther touch favourite didn't go off favourite. So I don't think anyone knew what to bet. But then like, like you said, John, the Sir Bob Parker run was a very impressive uh, uh, run from Anesto because it gave them all start and, and, a, and a good licking in good sectionals. And then, obviously, I looked at the sectional times again for that race at Longchamp, uh, at the Grand Prix de Paris, and very impressive again. Really impressive late sectionals. This horse, for me, I'll make a bold statement, is either nearly as good, very nearly as good, or as good as the Eclipse winner, Vedene, Anesto. Yeah, I think when you look at the line through uh, the Ferguson house, you know, I think uh, it, it, it's hard to rate him at that level at the minute, but you'd definitely say he's got the uh, he's got the potential to rate that guy. Well, the thing is, if you look at the French derby that they ran in, an Esther was drawn out in the car park, came home half a second quicker than Videni in the last... So, like, if you stop them at the top of the straight, the positions, and obviously they had to settle an Esto as well, because obviously there were no point in going forwards from that wide draw, no. which is impos- impossible at Shanti uh, to win from there. If, you, if you're dropping out, they probably knew that as well, but they'd just have to ride it and yeah. just see where they were. And 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 I, I do think an Esto, he's up there with Denny. Obviously, the, 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 you know, similar ties, both got turn of foot, and, and it'd be fascinating for him to meet. Anesto reportedly targeted at the at the Arc de Triomphe. Will Hedge report a break now, and they'll go for the Preniel and Arc trial, and then uh, for the Arc according to the trainer. But very impressive. For, again, uh, that shouldn't be uh, underestimated. Okay, so that was one uh, big Group One action that we had earlier in the week. We'll go now to yesterday, uh, which uh, featured 
some some decent action. We've had better Saturday action, obviously, but but some decent action. And uh, we'll start at the Curra, John. Um, the two or three was the uh, Anglesey Stakes, a Group Three affair, won in very impressive fashion by Little Big Bear. Yeah, he's uh, basically going forward at a rate at knots at the minute, doesn't he? I quite liked Yaros in that. I thought Yaros ran well. It did, it did. I think it ran its race. I, yeah. I probably, Yosemite Valley, I, I tipped it up on the Friday show. Um, I, big drifter as well on the machine and on, on the, went off at nine to one. I think I tipped it at five to one and it went off. I think it was like 18.5 on Betfair, Yosemite Valley. So I'm thinking, has this lost a, has this lost three legs um, in transit? Um, but, but no, he, Daddy's probably told the fate that's what he's up against. <laughs> and the fear yeah, that, so, yeah, so the fetus knew his place um, yeah. that afternoon. And, and the thing is, for me, though, I was, I, even though I didn't back a winner, I was still quite pleased that I said it would reverse form with the one that beat it um, at the Curra, the, the second favourite, that Shanabal which it did, and it beat the stable, mate, which I also thought it would, and it was a bigger price. So I don't think Yosemite Valley lost nothing in defeat. What's interesting here, John, and I need to point this out to you, that the time of the race, despite like Little Big Bear looking very, very strong at the finish, as if more uh, were to come, was quicker than the scurry. It was quicker than Mr. M- Mr. Wagyu. Mr. Wagyu was really trapping, didn't it? So yeah, well, yes, I, I agree. Dif- different, di- different, different type of race, so it can be dangerous. But when you've got like a seven-year-old sprinter racing yeah. against a two-year-old, the way you rate that race, I mean, Bad B coming into the race had an official rating of ninety-nine. If he, even even if she's not ran to that, she she would she would still have ran to sort of 94 ish whatever. If you say Yosemite Valley's 96, which is a stone improvement from its debut, which I think it has, because yeah. you, saw it, you saw its debut, that brings Little Big Bear out at 111. And the point I'm getting at here is, if that's ran to 111, the first time it's ever tackled a distance like this, bearing in mind it's had runs over five and six furlongs so far, yeah. Uh, this was six and a half, and it was very strong at the finish. But in fact, that last furlong, it pulled four clear in that last furlong. I think already we're looking at definitely a, a duo standard horse. We're already there at that because if you're saying you're into 111, that, that means you're in the, the, the top echelons of the betting in the duoist. And I don't think 16 to 1 is unrealistic for this horse for the Guineas. I don't think I don't think it is on what I've seen. I don't think sixteen to one. I've seen worse prices. I've seen horses win races that get get eight to one quotes for next year's guineas, six to one quotes. This is still sixteen to one for next year's two thousand guineas. I don't think that that is bad at all. It's an absolute standout from the perspective of what the mare's chucked out so far. Yeah, that's the one worry. The pedigree. The the, the mare's chucked nothing out. Yeah. That said. They've all been running pretty much over longer distances than than this fella's been campaigned at the start. You know, the best efforts from like the uh, the, the, the uh, brother gelding uh, rated 98 racing post rating for Charlie Appleby have been another 10. Um, Stuart Williams might be out well because out here he's had C on each. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there was a relative uh, ring campaign at around seven, racing post rate in 73. Yeah. I know, it's not good. But they, but they paid 320,000 euros for this, did the lads? You know, I mean, how much can you knock a horse because of what its mother's chucked out? It, 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 it's a worry, but how much of a worry do you make it before you start thinking, well, I'm just being fucking stupid, eh? <laughs> you know. This is why people like our show, you know, it's like most podcasts are like, you know, well, yeah, you're just being fucking stupid. Yeah, you're right. The, the money that they, they shoveled on this, bearing in mind it was sort of about four to five in the morning. Yeah. You know, like even money, 10 to 11 oh. night before, four to five in the morning. They've sent it off two to five. Now, as if as if it might, either it's come out of Ascot and it, and they've, 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 they've sent it once, they've spent, they've spanned it. With something that we don't know about. Any any listeners that work at uh, Aidens, you know, give give us a nod on this. You know, as this almost like thrash something for that to be two to five, which it, it wasn't. It, it was never a two to five chance, was it? Before the race, it was just, you know, the the, the sheer weight of application of cash, as Chris likes to say it sometimes. The improve for the application of cash. Chris. Yes, it's uh, yeah. I mean, that's a big market move, isn't it? I mean, that, that that's a, a monster. I would suggest it probably has uh, beat something because that that's not you know that that's a huge amount of dough, isn't it? It is four to five to two to five again against good opposition. You know, I know, I know it was like so they might have looked at well, it's just like current maiden form, but the, 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 maybe they had the angle on the fetus. The fetus might have said to to to, to daddy that uh, that that it wasn't. It, it was all right, but it wasn't all that. But you know, that's the thing. We don't know the the chit chat on that. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's got got a lot to get through. The the Irish Oaks job, one of the worst Irish Oaks with Irish Oaks with uh, we've ever seen. A shocker. Yeah. Um, I thought Toy tossed it. Yeah. But she came there to win the race and didn't go. Coming. And I thought Jesse's comments about this thing being fabulous next year were absolutely ludicrous. But as you said earlier, the probability owners happy. Yeah, they were in attendance. I, I saw them, um, you know, in and around the the parade ring and stuff, and in the paddock. So I knew I knew they were got the big entourage of them there. So I, I clearly, thought that run was slightly worse than the Ribbles there. I give hundred and eight for it. Yeah, well, less than you, John. I, I gave the winner hundred and five. Yeah, yeah, welcome to Agile. Uh, um, honestly. Yeah, um, I, I think she ran a little bit, like you said, John, I would say probably a length or two below Ribblesdale. I think I think a lot of these things, and we've seen a few of, especially fillies, come out of Ascot and just, I don't know if they run a bit flat. They, they just, they're just a bit a bit flat after. If, if you run them within sort of like three to four weeks, they, they just, I don't know. So, some of them just seem a little bit, you know, just just lacking a bit, and I think I think Magical Lagoon is better than that. I do, I, I genuinely do. I, th- I think the Ribblesdale run was good. Um, I think round 110 for the Ribblesdale. I mean, but it's not again. We're not talking classic winning form. We, we're talking sort of Group Two. That kind say, of- she, she's not winning a Group One against anything decent any time soon, is she? No, Jesse talks about the Yorkshire Oaks, but but cool. uh, that. I'd probably get lapped in that. Um, depends depends what's in it, of course. Um, okay, we'll go over to Newbury. We we had we had some uh, some uh, some strange sort of action. Uh, Grosser Jack, I never expected 
to uh, make the running in the Steventon. Um, well backed for the shirt was the grocer, um, but um, he, he got the job done very easily. We move on to the Hackwood, and there was a lot of criticism for Holly Doyle in the race on Rohan, John. Well, I've had this theory about Holly Doyle for a while. I, I mentioned to you after the race, I do think she's still got a ways to go before you start bracketing her as somebody that must have a ride in a top race every time a top race comes round. She's all right. I've no problem with her. But I do feel that if there's a horse that needs settling and there's not a guaranteed pace on or needs a bit of finesse, I think she's somewhere short of being there. That's a yeah, good it's fair, it's fair comment. Um, I mean, I, I want to see... So I, Before I, I make a, a, a cast-iron comment... I want. I, I said to you privately. I said I want to see the the sort of timings throughout the race to see if she met her ground too quickly, uh, too soon, and mm. and then the horse just like absolutely flattened out and was dead. Looked dead in the last sort of fifty yards. In fact, if they'd gone another fifty yards, it'd have been about ten. So I, I I don't know if I don't know if that were physical what it was, but basically again it could have could again could again be after Ascot. You know, a little bit flat off back of that. I don't, I don't know, but but a bit. Jump ten pound below there, isn't he? Well, that's. I mean, you could see like a furlong out. You thought, well, if this continued its momentum, it was going to win. Hence, it went fives on in running, which mm. is probably rightfully so. But but um, but yeah, this was pretty stiff company, and I was terribly wrong on Minzal. Um, I didn't think that horse had done much physically. And um, yet again, um, trainer Owen Burroughs has proved he can train, John. <laughs> He's won a Magnet Cup and a Hackwood. How many Magnet Cups and Hackwoods have we won, John? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dems on Twitter will be having an absolute fanny fit. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, old, uh, old Jimbo, you know, uh, Jimbo had a good day, didn't he, uh, uh, Saturday? He, he had a double with uh, Rishun for, for Ian Williams, so it was all good there. Yep, so that, that was about the, the sum of Saturday's action, except I want to come on to one talking point for the day. Uh going to bring Chris in as well here, because I don't think this is very fair on Billy Bunters. Uh, Chester Racecourse, the, the eve, evil of Chester. Um, big big prices to get in, etc., etc. And um, they, they, shoved, they shoved it right up punters on Saturday. And if this had been the principal meeting on any day, this would have got more coverage. It didn't. There's only me talking about it, right? Everything that won at Chester uh, was basically pretty wide into the straight. You know, nothing won up the rail. Nothing. Zero. Nor, nada. Now, that's obviously a product, again, of watering. The times weren't quick. The times were well, well short of standard. Uh, unless I'm missing something, and I, I, I want you to point me out if I am, what, why Why was everything winning wide, John, Chris? Well, as you were saying, you bang on. But how does yeah. that, I mean, this is the thing, right? So as punters, what do you do? I, I, I'll talk about an average punter, right? So what he does, gets his racing post in the morning, takes dog for a walk, gets back, you know, opens Chester up, thinks, right, play spot time or lucky 15 time. Yeah. And, he's, and he's looking for all, maybe pace on the inside, maybe... You know, and, he, and he's ringing them off. 
And it comes to the end of the day, and he's probably got about two plays from about six, and and lucky fifteen, yeah. <laughs> not from four. I mean, yeah. this is, this is something where they, they've thrown us a googly here because, and nobody said anything because it wasn't the principal meeting. It was it was sort of. I mean, for example, um, uh, our good friend's uh, horse, John, look out, Louis. Uh, that he even the owner even said himself couldn't give it a chance. Sold ten. Uh, it was there for a day out. You know, whatever. If it ran well, it ran well. Um, again, stall ten, no problem. Um, stall eleven was third. And this is the thing. This is where Clark's, and we've said it all season on the show. They repeatedly bowl googlies to the to the punters, where you're expecting good to firm. You don't get good to firm. You get you get you get good. And and, and I mean Newbury um, again. Another Clark that just loves putting plenty on, and we'll get to New- Newbury are going to get it scathing tonight. I've got some interesting facts on Newbury, John, Chris, and I, and we'll get to that later. But Newbury times on Saturday, it's Grocer Jack was fast, which was an anomaly, really. It's had the shirt juice. Um, but in general, you know, Newbury again, they're chewing too much on, and this this is what's annoying. I, I, I genuinely feel that we'd have better racing if they just applied the water a bit more liberally. Do we agree? Right, yeah, I mean... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, definitely put them too much on, no question. But there seems to be certain clerks... I mean, like I said, we commented on Andrew Cooper. Andrew Cooper, right, gives a response and, you know, fair, real fair play to him. And I thought he produced fantastic ground for the Sandown meeting. They had, mm. a, racing, they had a racing line. They, they, they had, didn't you didn't have to come eight wide to get the best ground and stuff like it, it was it was a great meeting to behold and and, and why couldn't he, why couldn't Andrew Cooper have done that do you think they get into their own world so to speak do you think they're not challenged enough by the racing media when they're interviewed on track mm, do you think they could be more said yeah totally totally I mean the racing media which we've uh, discussed ad nauseum. Yeah, they're, they're glor- a lot with a few notable exceptions. They're glorified PR merchants, aren't they? They're there to maintain the status quo. But what they don't realise is this sort of thing is going to put people off betting on horses. I mean, Chester was a disgrace. I mean, it's a piss hole of a track anyway. I hate it. They should build fucking council houses on it, I think. But I think everything on the inside was dead on Saturday, and nobody said anything. <laughs> I'm just still laughing. I'm just still laughing at that. They should build councils on it. (laughs) Absolutely, place. It's a fucking shit. You wouldn't barely run greyhounds around that place. But you're right. The punter looks at the card, mix well, you know, wide draws, put a line through them, look for stuff on the inside. Everything was dead on the inside. They were going up and down. You know, no one says anything. They're watering for who are they watering for? Not for the punters. I don't give a shit. The people that are going through the door as a result of the marketing campaigns, I don't know what they're looking at. So they don't give a fuck, do they? The people actually physically on the track. But the people that finance the sport, the off-course punters, they do. And, you know, how could you have any confidence in in betting there at the next meeting? Because you don't know what they're going to do with the ground. Madness. Well, this leads us nicely into into something I read this week. And I, I, think, I think John's read it. Um, it was Gear Water. And she... she you know, spoke her mind a little bit in the in a racing post article, and I've picked I've picked one particular quote out that I think it's dear to our heart as well. So so this is basically about betting. What Gay Waterhouse think that thinks that betting is racing's beating heart. Uh, she she I'll quote her. She says the race day experience in Australia has become a bit bland. She says 
it's all about girls going to the races in very short skirts and getting terribly drunk. And the guys going there having no idea uh, how to have a bet with a bookmaker, no, no idea whatsoever in how to place a bet, uh, not, not even being educated on the topic at all. And she says, goes on to say, really the whole reason for racing is it's a gambling industry and it needs to be promoted that way. That's what sells the sport, a gambling industry. And she says, she goes on to say as well, quite damning, we live in a work environment where everything has to be perfect, but that's not real life. What, what, I think that is that us three to a T, really? Yeah, 100%, 100%. I mean, you know, in the current climate, you know, you can understand it. Tracks and the regulator are terrified of promoting the sport as a medium for gambling. It's everything but. You know, absent the fact that gambling funds the sport, it's a day out, it's a, it's a social event, it's eating and drinking, it's kids and bouncy castles, it's pop concerts, but it's everything except gambling. And nobody wants to promote it as, as a medium for betting. They'd and, rather promote a piss-up and an eighth fate. Yeah, they would. Yeah, they absolutely would. They absolutely would, because gambling is right at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of, you know, acceptable pastimes. You know, you're, you're how, right. Get, getting drunk's better than having a bet. How, how have we got to that position? How, how have we got to a position where it's acceptable for someone to fall on the floor, be absolutely out of the face? You know, same with ladies that do the same. And it's a, it's a bit of a laugh. It's like, ah. Oh. Uh, but then... Idiots if some, are ashamed of the product in key positions. Yeah. It, it, that. People who don't understand gambling, if I've got no background in betting, like the Gambling Commission, you know, the, the sport is regulated by people who I dare say have never had a bet and don't understand the importance of, of, of the culture that, that, that underpins racing. You know, they'll look at the spreadsheets and say, oh, yes, yeah, betting revenue funds the sport. But it's part of the of the fabric of racing. You take away the bet, take away betting, and, and it's just horses running around a field. You know, which is fine. You know, you people will go and watch that, but, but it's not going to be elite sport if you remove the betting angle, and it's part of the fabric. The ring's dead. You know that used to give vibe a, a real a positive vibe, and you know the cut and thrust of the betting ring, that's gone. So, so the actual the actual engine of the sport the betting you know the life has been sucked out the betting ring so effectively you do have horses running around a field with a with a, with a stadium and that's it uh, and do, you know do, been allowed to happen do do we blame um lack of education what i'm saying here is when i was growing up when i were a lad i read books i read i i, I learned i learned a lot of of techniques. I learned calculus, how to work out bets like quickly and stuff like that. I learned um, everything, all each, all the terminology of racing was one of the first things I learned. Um, and, and I picked up a lot on track as well. But at the same time, I can't ever recall myself asking a stupid question ever. Like on, on when, I, when I was a nipper at 16, 17, 18, going, betting on course and having bets with bookmakers, stuff like that. I never recall myself asking um is this race a quarter or a fifth the odds or what's on each way bet what's uh you know what shall i back here you know <laughs> yeah. but, but the way the way yeah but the way bookmakers have marketed the sport over the last few years has been cleverly targeted towards people who are divs you know look at the adverts people sitting around you know first goal scorer first header you know the 
they they don't want to educate people into the nuances of, of betting, the intricacies. What they just want is people through the door, drunk, having bets of all all sorts. They don't want to educate people because it affects the bottom line, and that that's kind of affected the way in which the sport has been marketed by the regulator and by the people that run the sport. You know, you know the archetypal person they want through the door at race courses. You see them. You know, ITV Racing interview these people, uh, and it's 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 primarily a younger audience because years ago people said, "Oh yeah, we need to get more young people in." You know, when I was going racing as a kid, it was an old person sport. You know, yeah. just, it was older people, but now you go racing, it's a different demographic. But they're not educating these people; they're just saying, "Oh, it's a lovely day out." You know, get drunk. Uh, you know, do whatever, have a fight, and go home. But, but so, so, so that generation of people that would have had a bet in, in the numbers required to finance the sport, they're being left behind. You know, the, 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 they aren't the sort of people that are going to stick with the sport through thick and thin. It, you know, it's a, they're occasional punters when they when they attend the races. But, but then added to that, we, we're, we find ourselves um, promoting other things within racing, like you've just said. I mean, is it a wonder then we've attracted drunks, ITV promoting gin stands and, you know, and, uh, you know, come, come, come and have a lovely gin and, you know, and a glass of champagne, blah, blah, blah. But, but there's very little, like, education on betting. I, I find it very weird how the sport itself, right, from the BHA to big bookmakers, even big bookmakers and big corp that are welcoming this, like, like you know, the gambling harm lobbies have got in. We've got a gambling review. This could be, you know, like we, we mega restrictions, and but but they seem to be all welcoming this, which is or I'm not saying well necessarily welcoming it, but then they're not putting up a fight. They're not saying is, whoa, whoa, yeah, but whoa. betting is socially unacceptable now. You know, years ago. It was, you know, people had a bet and some people have arched their eyebrows and said, oh, yeah, you never see a poor bookie. But fundamentally, it was an acceptable way to spend your leisure pound. Now, you know, betting is, is, is horrifically toxic because the lobbyists have been very successful in conflating betting on sport and horses, you know, with crack addicts feeding, you know, feeding fruit machines. All gambling is wrong and everybody is terrified to suggest that it is possible to bet responsibly and enjoy the sport you're following and have a bet without being an addict. And nobody wants to grasp that nettle, and that's the sad thing. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this lately, but the people in key positions that should be keen for racing to promote the betting side are actually too stupid to understand the significance of betting to the sport. <laughs> That's what I kid you not. You know, yeah. I mean, you like to Julie Harrington think we can get by with it in this crisis by selling fucking ice creams. Yeah, it's it's bollocks. So does the kilt, John. <laughs> but but the thing is, you see, whilst they will all acknowledge that, that the sport is funded by betting and they'll have spreadsheets showing that, what they don't understand is the cultural significance that betting has on the sport. You know, it, it is part of the DNA of racing, you know, and they don't get that because they are not punters. They are not embedded in the sport. They're not serious followers. So they'll nod and say, oh, yeah, we know betting is really important because this spreadsheet tells us. But but it's more than the way the sport's funded. Betting is it, intrinsically linked to horse racing. You remove the betting, it's just animals running around a field, as I said earlier, and it's a different sport. 
So, but no one wants to grasp that because they don't understand because they're not part of it. Well, I mean, so I mean, yeah. Like the thing is, the worrying thing is the governing bodies, the BHA, the Jockey Club. The Jockey Club, for example, has spent one one point six million pounds on a recent advertising campaign with Jermaine Genus, uh, you know, promoting sport to the younger uh, the sport to the younger audience, which I'm I'm all fine with, all, all fine with promotion. Yet again, betting is nowhere to be seen, not right. at all. Except the except okay. the chaps, except when the jockey club want to put put uh, fruit machines in at Cheltenham. Yeah. Yes, yeah. let's have some fruit machines in at the fairs yeah. uh, to to, to rinse them a bit more. Um, yeah. Again, it's like by stealth. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit that betting is is what drives the sport. None of them do. But but they'll yeah. happily stealthily put put some fruit machines in at Cheltenham, you know, and and absolutely rinse people. But you know, nothing will be said. He's, he's, I just and now it's too late for them almost to go out and sort of promote betting as, as, a, as, a, as a as horse racing as a vehicle for betting because because they've done fuck all for the last five years. The anti gambling lobby has now developed a real head of steam. They haven't stood up to it. Now it's too late. The anti gambling lobby is too powerful. There are too many voices. And if, if the jockey club or, or the BHA were to jump up and say, oh, you know, gambling is a good thing for racing, they'd be smashed to pieces because they've missed that boat. They should have stood up to them when the, when the Shiltons of this world and, and all these kind of people were, were standing up saying, oh, well, you know, bookies are terrible, betting's terrible. But they didn't. And the racing posts are the same. They remained silent because they were getting on fancy prices. And now people like Bruce Millington and Richard Birch are squealing like stuck pigs because of restrictions and, uh, you know, and, and requirements to provide, uh, you know, income information. They're all too late. And it's all very well, you know, the one or two lone voices in the media did run programmes about it. Yeah, Lydia and uh, I think uh, Steve Mellish did something a while back. But, but that was it, effectively, because everybody else was getting on. So fuck the punters. We're all right. We can get best prices with 365. Everything's great. And, and, you know, and that's it. it, it it's short termism. And, and, you know, all of these people, as John has said previously, operate out of self-interest. They are salaried employees. They are, you know, artisans. They're there for a short period of time, milk the salary, the pension, the car, you know, and then move on to something else. And, and, and that, that's yeah. the problem. And it's too late now, I think. John, John spoke a lot of truths since the start of this show, really, since we started doing this. And it, it's why me and John like doing it, because the thing is... A lot of people aren't aware, really. Yeah, I think we've made we've raised more awareness on this show as to what the real game is or what the real aim of the game is. And and John has has been very vociferous on on the state of the BHA, etc. For a long time. And the the, the thing for me, on, until we get change, we, we we can't we can't progress as a sport. It's impossible. It, it I mean. The next topic I'm going to bring up, again, very annoying, uh, is Newbury. The trainers rightfully taking a boycott for the prize money in the last race at Newbury on Saturday and declaring no runners. Now, I, I admire this be, uh, because I didn't admire it at the time. I wasn't that bothered at the time. I'll be honest. I'll be perfectly honest. I've got, I've got plenty of things going off in my own life. But at the, at the time, I, I wasn't that bothered. But I've read more into this. Listen to this, John and Chris, right? This is Newbury. They've become total bastards. They're literally like Ark. They're property developers. You know, they sell it, you know, basically they're not interested in racing at all. The Craig David after after the racing should have told anybody that. Why would you need Craig David after a after a super sprint meeting? 
you know, how can you not sell Super Super Sprint, Hackwood, um, you know, Rohart, you know, group class, group class. Well, they're not music fans either with Craig David, are they? Let's be honest. No, no, it. no. Both selector got him off, right? Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> what a lot of shit. Yeah, he had a piss sack. Um, yeah. uh, anyway. Um, so anyway, so it's, I read in some financial information. This is this is for John. This because John will like this. So the Newbury paid their chairman Dominic Burke um, two hundred eight thousand uh, in twenty twenty one. He was paid one hundred twenty seven thousand in twenty twenty. So he had an increase of salary for eighty thousand for a year where we've been in a pandemic. No one's earned. No one that's certainly self employed has earned fuck all. Um, and the country's on its arse, right? So then I read, I delved further in, into the account. So they also paid the shareholders three million, right? So, and if that's not enough, right, they received uh 4.38 million in media rights revenue, yet only put 1.51 million into the prize pot of the races. And they're raking it out of that, it's right. It's rail track, isn't it? In in a different guise, really. Yeah. You know, and when we go on the telly and the train, uh, learn trainers and say, "Oh, you know, we don't like them doing this. It's a bit fucking nasty." You know, that that's no different to when uh, trainers are, are like the RMT when they're going on strike and saying, "Well, you, you know, we we want we want a different deal because rail track are profiteering." exactly yeah. the same principle. Yeah, it, it, literally, it literally is. Um, I think racing is mirroring real life in in, in many ways into in how company structure works in the real world. And, it, you know, the trainers were right to do this. I feel sorry for the, the poor owners. I don't know what percentages other tracks pay out of their media rights tip. And that's another problem in the sport job. The race, the race tracks are absolutely raking it in in media rights money. They don't need the punters. They don't need punters going racing. The simple as. I mean, that that says it all. Newbury received four point three eight million in twenty twenty one in media rights contributions. Absolutely. Yet they only put, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. But they're not putting it back into racing. No. They're not. They're not giving the owner a chance. They're not. They're not. They, this is. This is what annoys me uh, at, as, as a past owner. You know, I know how hard it is to to make ends meet, pay your bills, to to keep horses in training, and you know, punters. Punters, I say, punters are the lifeblood of the sport. They deserve better products. They deserve a better product to bet on. It's, it's rotten. The whole thing is rotten from the top to the bottom. It's rotten. Like you said, John, there's so many, and Chris said the same, there's so many self-interests here. There's so many people self-interested in themselves, taking it out, take out merchants. Like Barney Curley said, take out, take out, take out, take out. No one is putting back in. No one is is energising the sport and, and saying, right, this is what we need to do. And I think this is why we do this pod, because out of frustration. Um, it, there's a, we can't solve it because there's that many factions to solve that it's 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 very frustrating, but we hope we can explain to listeners uh, how how wrong this all is. Um, it's not the fact there's not enough money. It's not a fact that everyone's skint. It's the fact that there's certain people taking too much out of the sport, and this this needs outing. Uh, okay, we'll we'll kick on. Uh, just a quick mention for Kilbegan's uh, stable staff 
absolutely love what you did um, at the Kilbegger night meeting last week uh, when uh, stable staff went on strike uh, for about 20 minutes delaying racing. And the reason was it was it was a very hot evening. There was a half mile walk to the from the uh, the, the stables to the to the parade ring for the, the ferrying horses backwards and forwards, and the track refused to pl- supply them with water chaps. Tin pot executives but, treating them yeah. with paper like shit again. Yeah. Well, they've got no water left. They've slugged it all on the fucking track. There's no water left. <laughs> Than the, the trainers, man. But the thing is, we should, to be honest, I, I genuinely, I believe in summer jumps racing. I don't, I don't believe that we should do away with summer jumps racing. But what I do believe is, when when there are certain tracks that need to chuck on half half of the Thames or half of the half of the River Trent, just just to get a racing surface, then what? It's not really viable, is it? Absolutely not. You know, you, it's it's you jump you jump in. You, it's it, you need you need a bit more digging in the ground. You should you know you shouldn't be running on on uh, on ridiculously like charred ground. So so I, I don't know. I don't, it, everything's got its place, but but they shouldn't, maybe be, jump they shouldn't be jump racing in June, July, or for me. No, I I I think I mean some jump jockeys have actually expressed this opinion as well. They've said that there should be a longer break. For them, they're operating all winter. So jump racing is a much tougher sport than the flat in terms of jockeys. You know, you're falling off. You 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 know, you're getting kicked by horses when you fall off. It's not much fun. You know, getting chucked off an horse at, at 30 mile an hour. Um, and it's it, it, either lots of injuries. It's long seasons. I don't. I, I don't like you said, John. I don't really see the. I don't know the selling point, especially when it's not that much quality racing. You look at the the standard of racing on summer jumps, and it's not to one hundred and five handicaps. It's it, it's crap. absolutely no need for it. No, nobody asked for it. No, no, no. I, I, I can't remember anyone asking for it either. But uh, anyway, there we go. Uh, one final uh, topic then, which has been discussed at length by a lot of people this week, and I'd like to get both your opinions on the whip. Um, um, sort of, uh, they've come up with a, a sort of plan that uh, it's in the backhand position from now on, no more forehand. Um, I wrongly accused Luke Morris earlier on in the week and uh, said, said, well, that's him, fuck man. Um, <laughs> but then I was politely told by Dominique Hamblin to take a look at his, uh, his whip action over the years. And I, I concede, I've never noticed. Luke Morris does the old, looks like he's bashing it into oblivion, but it's always in the backhand position, John. Well, if it's in the backhand position, obviously it wouldn't knock the skin off a race pudding. Well, that's it. Uh, end of. The backhand position for everything now in life. That's how you make it safe. And all so, these anties and everything. I'm looking forward to the increase in turnover. Because once all these animal lib nutters find out the whip's only getting used in the backhand position, they'll all be queuing up to bet on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, yeah, they should, they should absolutely they should be embracing it. I mean, the fact that these anties, uh, more or less, class racing alongside bullfighting, you know, it, it's that that that's the thing. There's there's no let up. I mean. They think it's that thing like they have in Spain where they, they take a donkey up on a tower and drop it 100 foot yeah, into yeah. the bucket of exactly. water. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can't read. The problem is, you see, racing has made a mistake by trying to reason with these people. You know, a cursory glance of social media reveals that you cannot argue with these people. Same with gambling. They are prohibitionists. They're not interested in reducing harm for gambling or animal welfare. They want to stop it completely. And nobody seems to acknowledge the fact that you're not dealing with rational people. You know, they are bad faith actors. They don't care about reducing harm. They want to eliminate the sport totally. And racing has made a mistake of trying to engage with them. And, and slowly, slowly, you know, we're in a position now whereby we've got a stick wrapped in bubble wrap that can only be used in the backhand position. What next? You know, it's the thin end of the wedge. There'll be something else next year that they object to. The thing is, they're still doing it. And like Matt Chapman was was correct for once uh, on on racing debate this morning when he actually said that that once once they start coming for it that it's it there'll be another review in five years and another, and then another review in five years and we'll end up being down we'll end up be down to two smacks or three smacks and 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 that's it you you literally once you start like the biggest mistake Nick Davis has always maintained on on, on Zilzal, who, who, who contributes to our podcast, he's always said once they started doing the numbers, uh, number of smacks you're allowed, it was a slippery slope. Because, like, you could say... Ten, too many. Yeah, ten smacks, well, that's too many. Six, that's too many. Well, four, that's too many. Uh, so uh, you, you, you've had it. You've, you've already lost the debate by even consenting um to uh, now no one's saying ever and we're not saying this we don't advocate misuse of the whip far from it it's you know it's the it's it's it should be done in the right way and matt chapman made a great point today he said about if we got got rid of the whip or say just you're allowed to two smacks you literally have herd animals running around a field that basically the 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 whip and I'll say the whip because they now call it the pro cush, but it's it doesn't hurt them. It's just a signal to them. Oi, this is now time you have to yeah. pick, it's pick the up sound. your feet. It's the sensation. But what people yeah. don't acknowledge is these are working animals. They are not family pets. No. You know, we, we try and sort of, you know, uh, soften everything, but these are working animals. They are bred to do a job. That is to race. That's it. How did you get an horse and carriage to move back in the day? You know, the horses are stood there. They might be stood there for two hours waiting for lady and lady and lord, whatever, to to leave leave a a, a cocaine snorting party somewhere in Whitehall. You know, they get in the they get in the the carriage. You know, what what does the driver do? The horses don't know. They need a tap on the arse to get moving. You know, it's like, yeah. are we saying that that's cruel? That you, know, you, you give them a good tap on the arse to, to get them to, oh, well, it's time to move, is it? You can't talk to them. You can't say, would you please quicken up for me, please? You know, it's, it's just it's just absolutely mental. You know, the, yeah. the, fact, the fact is, these whips, it stops horses being herd animals. It, 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 it is a concentration tool more than a, Hurty, hurty tool. It's it's saying it's like it's like a child say at nursery. You know, you, obviously now we can't bash children either, but we, we might say to a child that's been naughty at nursery, "Why, you know, and raise your voice and say you don't do that." You know, it's the same. But the horses won't understand that. You've you've got to you've you know the only way you get through to them is like saying this is now time to quicken up. Um, so. Again, it, we're dealing with idiots, and like John says, what's the point in trying to placate them? 
But again, the BHA don't believe in their industry. They don't believe in the product. They have to have pop concerts on. They have to the tracks don't. They have to they have to do everything other than put on decent horse racing, pay decent prize money to owners that I've highlighted there by Newbury. I'm sure they could stretch on what what salaries they're paying out and dividends to their shareholders. Newbury Racecourse should be paying more out to, to horses that run there at the track. Given the status of the track, it is a Group 1 track. Um, it's disgraceful. And they're going down a dark route. They're going down an arc route for Newbury, and I don't like it, and they need calling out for it. Okay, just just further thing on the whip then, chaps. Um, the, one of the rules is that obviously after four more strikes than the permitted allowance, uh, permitted allowance, you are disqualified from the race, which could affect betting purposes. Thoughts on that? Look for our until it's happening in the Grand National. Yeah. Well, definitely. I mean, this, this is it. I mean, imagine that. Imagine the scenario. You know, a nation has cheered on a horse, and and what do the the BHA would actually bottle that decision. They would. They would. If that happened, they'd bottle it. They just don't do it. It'd just be a massive no. Um, I believe that. I believe they'll, they'll 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 fiddle it. They'll just say no, no, no. One of the cracks wasn't 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 actually a a serious crack. It it was more of a more of a you know just a flick of the whip. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't. We don't count that one. <laughs> I can actually see that. But. I thought from my skullduggery brain, I thought from the other angle with the whip, right? Let's say you've got a six to four favourite, Chris, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, everyone's yeah. on it. Everyone's on it. The owners don't like the price, right? Yeah. So it's like, right, try and get this like four behind with two to go, right? Whack yeah. the hell out of it. Whack yeah. the hell out of it, right? They're just, they're all laying the 101 on yeah. Betfair. Yeah, they've, they've, they've took 60,000 out of it. One away, he's gone away to win two lengths. The lads have ticked five times more than he should. Yeah, right. They've, yeah. they've, they're, they're all in, they've, they've won, they've won, they've won 60, 70,000. Yeah, what's there to stop that? Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing. absolutely nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. It, it's, it's insane, it's mad. The whole thing is absolutely mad. But what do you expect? You know, you have lunatics in charge of the asylum, don't you? I genuinely feel like life is really, really bad at the moment in, in terms of in, in everything that's going off. It, it, I'm trying to work out decision policy makers, decision makers. I mean, chat. I mean, it's more fun being old, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we've had the best of it. I mean, you look at kids these days. What what are they being taught at school? You know, they've got. It's, I, I fear for their futures. It's just every, everything that that's, that's happening is just. It's bizarre. All these rules, these just crazy. It's driving me insane. But it is what it is. But you know, onwards and upwards we kick. I think. Um, anything else to add this week, John? Any Jimmy Lindleys? Um, no, the, uh, the, there was a, a, a mare running on in the uh, amateur ladies derby thing at the Curragh on Saturday, but I thought better of it. I think everybody spotted it. So. Just mention it anyway. I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind an obvious one. It was um, five zeros. Five zeros, yeah. Last turning yeah. into the straight. Amy Joachim's road. It's about seven pounds against Amy Joachim. So it's not an ideal situation anywhere. Plenty <laughs> to do with the curry. Um, as finished up making four lengths was a good fifteen lengths off the pace turning in. Game was a pebble. Game was a pebble. 
Love it. So five zeros for John. Bit of an eye catcher. But he says everyone spotted that. Um, I didn't. Um, bit, bit of, bit of a li- <laughs> I'm an idiot there. Remember, I said Minzal hadn't trained on. There we go. That tells you what idiots are. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this show because we did. Uh, we've had a really good chew the fat session because we, we had a lot to go through. Um, we're back on Friday with the, the preview for the King George. It's me, uh, Leng, Davis, and Franks on Friday. And then we've got the Goodwill Preview Show, the sermon on Sunday. Goodwill Preview Show on the Monday with me, Leng, Richmond, and Franks. That's on the Monday. So don't forget to listen to all three shows. I'm sure you'll be enlightened. That's all. That's signing out now before you all uh, burst with combustion from the heat over the next few days. That's all from me, John and Chris. See you later. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.